When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Always great to be with you on a Bowlsmic Wednesday. I'm Jeff, that's Tom, Director Matthew in the house as always, and you're you and you're listening to us. We do appreciate it. Find me on Twitter if you want. It's at Show. Another day, another coach joins us on the program. We'll get started with that here in about 30 minutes or so. Tony Tokars, the quarterback coach for Florida State, will join us. Uh, bottom of the hour is what we're looking at uh, as uh, we get closer and closer. Obviously, the start of spring football on Saturday. Yesterday, we attended the end of the tour of duty. Well, pretty much the end of the tour of duty workouts. Uh, gave you our thoughts on that yesterday on Seminole Headlines and then also uh, an abundance of observations and articles and such on warchant.com. So go there, you'll find that, and uh, stay with us because uh, we're going to add to that, as we're wont to do with even more uh, content this week. I think tomorrow, Tom and myself and Ira will uh, also do a preview for uh, the defensive back uh, segment group, look in the secondary and uh, discuss all of that. So looking forward to it. And, um, you know, I think uh, that that's an area. I mean, you need – it's funny. We, you actually need three people to break down that room. It's, a, it's an abundance of guys, not all of whom have been as productive as you'd like, not all of whom have had sort of the, uh, the, the rise to prominence that you had hoped when they were recruited, but enough were vetted through the course of last season's disappointing first half on into the second half to feel pretty good about what you found on the back end and then maybe – what will emerge from this camp headed into fall, uh, which creates depth and competition. And really, competition, it's funny you bring that up. When I get asked about this team and I get asked about I was somebody texted me yesterday, a friend of, friend of mine, who said, uh, you know, you were out there today. Do you, do, beyond just what you said on the show, it's like they want you know some extras. Uh, is there, 
and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean just you know somebody who's like, hey, do you have a do you have anything else that uh, good, bad, or or ugly that you want to talk about that maybe you didn't bring up on the air yesterday? And I'm like, no, this it really is pretty straightforward. For Florida State, they have to develop a level of uh, of talent uh, that sees competition uh, raised to a point where the intensity day to day is where it needs to be, and the cream rises to the top, born out of that. Uh, competition so that on game days they're not overwhelmed by something that uh, plays entirely differently than what they see during the week of preparation. And I think that, you know, it's been a, it's been a problem for some time that whether it's a segment group or multiple segment groups that have been down, very down, uh, and, and therefore – you know, you compete against it every day in practice, and I'm not saying kids are out there loafing or anything like that, but when the competition's not real high and real intense and, and, the, and the folks doing the competing aren't, uh, you know, overly talented, uh, you're in for a uh, hell of an adjustment on game days against several of the teams in this league, uh, or it can be. Uh, and, and I think you saw some of that last year, and uh, it got better as the year went on. But, again, now we're hoping that – at least amongst the starters, you're, you're getting there. You're getting there. Uh, hello, Eric. Uh, thanks and welcome to the chat. Uh, I see uh, he's on board. Hopefully others will join soon. Let's get together, everybody. So maybe you can help me with an assignment I have for uh, our bosses at Warchant.com. Mm. I've got to put together uh, together a poll question for the defensive back room that we're going to reference when we record our video tomorrow. Yeah. And it's a simple question. What has you most excited about the defensive backfield this year? So is it the emergence of Omari Cooper and Kevin Knowles and their oh, continued development? Yeah, yeah. Is it the new kids on campus and Azariah Thomas and Sam McCall? Um, is it that Jamie Robinson comes back and fortifies the safety group with Akeem Dent, Shaheem Brown, maybe some other players as well? There's just a lot to chew on there. Is it, is it the, the continued development of somebody like a Jarvis Brownlee on the outside or maybe he slots to the inside? Greedy Vance, where would you go with it? I think I'd start with I was okay. So let's start with the newcomers for just a second. Uh, I really Sam McCall, boy, oh boy. Uh, no, we know what he was coming out of high school and how he was recruited and by whom. Uh, it, it's a he was a top notch safety, a top five safety in the country uh, as he was, uh, you know, recruited and 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 eventually won over by Florida State. Uh, I don't know that how you know. I don't know what kind of impact he's going to have in year one, but he certainly looked the part yesterday. That got me excited. Uh, that was got me really excited. I didn't get to see as much of Azaria Thomas yesterday, Tom. I know he's got a lot of size, and and we're all excited about him as well. Florida, by the way, that that phrase, he's got a lot of size for the position. That's Florida State in the secondary. They got a ton of guys with length and height and, and all that. So that's exciting. That that to me is exciting. Uh, and, and I think that's the, the best uh, aspect of that position group. Amarian Cooper was really, really good as a true freshman. Uh, you don't expect to get that out of a true freshman. So who knows? Maybe Sam McCall surprises, too, uh, at safety. Uh, but, but Cooper uh, ended up starting a handful of games and, and playing really well and coming on. Kevin Knowles was really, really good. Another guy. Very, very young. So, yeah, their next step, Tom, is huge. I mean, they're only going to get much better. They showed a baseline of skill and instinct and talent and toughness uh, last year that suggests 
that they're going to take a huge step forward now that they've had a year uh, in, in the system and understood it and played in big games and, and played important roles, stepped up in big games. Think about Cooper in the Clemson game. Think, there, there were a lot of moments for these guys. So that's something I'm excited about. You know, I was really nervous and frustrated early on by Akeem Dent. Uh, Akeem Dent uh, did not play uh, – you know the way as as well as I thought he would, um, you know, uh, at one point. But then he ended up really turning it on late, and I thought, okay, again, now they now you got something out of him. Shaheen Brown's a player that impressed us every time we went out to practice. He impressed the coaches. He made plays. He was a ball hawk. Didn't see a lot of game time, so I'd be anxious to see what he does. He's such a big kid. I wonder can he stay at safety? I mean, he's. He looks like a linebacker, and he doesn't cover great. He does have a nose for the ball. He is a hitter, so it'll be interesting to see if they can keep him there, or does he eventually move into that linebacking room? I don't know. I mean, they moved Gant there. I think they moved Gant there because they wanted him out of the secondary. They wanted him out of the uh, the, the segment group. Um, it, it, that's been a poison segment group, so they got they got to figure out uh, something there. Well, a couple of things that are interesting to me from yesterday is Renardo Green. I'm sure you talked about yeah. that. He was in the black jersey, which means that he's in good standing. That's a, a nice camp. place yeah. to be. Yeah. And then Travis J is in a garnet jersey, and I know that everybody's trying to find a home for him, but that means that he is at the upper half. He's, a, he's better than average when it comes to participation in these drills, which, again, means engagement. And you just wonder if somebody gets lost in the depth chart and finds their way, earns their way down the depth chart. Will they come back? It's good to see that there's engagement there. But for me, the number one takeaway I had yesterday of the young guys was about Azariah Thomas. He reminds me, different sport albeit, of Carlos Beltran because he doesn't look like he's moving, but he's really moving. Yeah, he's there's an fluid. effortless glide yeah. to the way that he runs – and with the size that he has, that it it confuses your brain. But he's running next to Sam McCall and Hunter Washington, and he's beating them to the spot in certain circumstances in, in some of the drills that they were running. That, to me, is, oh, that, that that's different. There's a smoothness to the way that he plays the position, whatever it is that he's going to you know fill out and become. But you can't fake that length and that speed. Yep. And the agility seemed to be there. Now, he's a freshman. I'm not trying to put too much on his plate too early. But of the of the newcomers that I saw yesterday, Zaria Thomas was the one I thought, boy, he kind of looks the part already in the way he moves because it doesn't look herky-jerky. It looks very fluid. Offensively, by the way, I felt that way about Deuce Span yesterday. I really can't say enough about the high hopes I have for him. I don't know that he'll become an elite receiver. We We haven't seen him play a lot of receiver. He hasn't, period, played a lot of receiver. Right. So, I, so I don't know. But I, I know to look at him and to watch him um, athletically, to, to the way he moves, um, the body type, uh, the speed, the quick twitch, the long arms, he certainly looks the role, doesn't he? He looks like a guy that because because you're going to need somebody else to step up um, within that group of, of, of transfer portal kids. You're going to need guys, some somebody else. You know, uh, West Virginia kid. Uh, you, you know he's going to be good, uh, mm -hmm. but but yep. then, Winston Wright, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I keep wanting to say Thomas. So so Wright is going to be good. Uh, he's already proven it at this level. He's proven it at the Power Five level, and he's been wildly consistent. So he's going to be fine. Of the others, I need somebody else to emerge uh, from that group. Now, Wilson's going to play a different role. I think. I think they can add weight to him and use him as a tight end at some point. Uh, more as a tight end. He's got the length. He likes to block. He's all of those things. But 
they need somebody else, and, and I'm I'm hoping Span becomes that guy. It's not that I don't think Micah Pittman can help. I think his immediate impact is on special teams. He'll be a slot guy. I mean, he's 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 small. I mean, he's thick, but he's five ten, uh, maybe. Right, he's built to be in the yeah, slot. Yeah, yeah, he's a slot guy, I think. So I think he's going to help you on special teams. But I think Span can help you on the outside there, and I, I'm kind of interested to see if if he can learn it and dedicate himself to it, and, and what do we get out of him? Again, year? with Johnny Wilson, you could see why he's a blue-chip player. I mean, they'll put the pads on in a couple of weeks' time, and then after spring break, and we can be a better judge of it. But, but you can see why this is a four-star player coming out of high school because even the way he moved around, left to right, with a lanky guy, you never know. They might be a one-trick pony, a red zone threat. Mm-hmm. And you're right, and maybe they're relegated solely to the job of a tight end. You grow them into that position, and they could be a mismatch, but there's not a whole lot that they can do in the variety of side to side. I was impressed with lateral movement and agility for that size. There's potential there. But it's raw clay that you still have to mold a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. I also, who turned my head yesterday, was Josh Burrell. And it's not because he threw up 580 on the squat rack and that, that video went viral. He just, it looks like he's more explosive this year to go along. He might be on the normal track. We forget he's a freshman last year. He might be on the normal track of development. Like, I wouldn't write somebody like that off just yet. Malik McLean flashed more towards the end of the season. Clearly, he was more capable of what was being asked of him early in his career. But I wouldn't give up on Burrell either because he sees all these guys that are coming into camp. He knows that this is critical for him, just effort-wise and athletic-wise. He looks like he might be somebody who throws his hat in the ring for a couple of reps as well. Well, he's massive. I think he's a tight end down the line. <laughs> he's huge. He is huge. He's 225-plus pounds. Yep. I mean. Yeah, but, okay, Have teach him how to separate, how to use his hands with that size. I mean, it doesn't matter what you call the position. He belongs on the field if he can continue to develop. If he can develop, yeah. We need it. We need it. Well, that's a big part of all of this is you do have existing guys. It's not all about transfer portal guys. It's not all about guys that come into the program from the outside that immediately impact your program. Obviously, we've had to rely in many ways too heavily on the transfer portal because this roster needed to be flipped because it didn't have a depth of talent of which I'm referencing. So we tend to focus on that, especially when you've hit home runs. I mean, the fact that you brought in Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas and, uh, you know, uh, you know, others, um, uh, Jamie Robinson, because you brought in guys in the transfer portal that had huge impacts on your team. Gibbons. You're, yes. Uh, you're inclined to, to, to kind of just hyper-focus on that, but there are existing guys on the roster that are allowed to develop that we're here that maybe progress at a normal rate as opposed to superhuman and they come in and they mature and they figure out what it means to be away from home how to put in the work and all of that stuff they get physically and mentally more mature it's possible and you're going to need a lot of that because you don't have enough uh, talent on this team from just the starters alone you're going to need somebody to emerge somebody that you're not expecting to play great somebody who you maybe even you know maybe maybe your guy maybe maybe there's a guy maybe Jordan Young oh who <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting on for a long time. May- who knows? Somebody hey, like that steps forward. He was cheering everybody on yesterday as he was going through the drills. Yes, he, he was. That's that's good. That's good to see. Well, we first guessed this. Unfortunately, it happened, and I want to get to it before we end up having Tony Tokars on the show uh, in an interview I did with him, uh, and and I'm looking forward to uh, playing that for you here in, in moments at the bottom of the hour. But stupid-ass baseball does what stupid-ass baseball always does. And botch this thing. And in my problem, Tom, you and I alluded to this earlier. Uh, so the first two series of the season are now 
canceled because they could not come to an agreement. Uh, the, the, the players union and uh, management could not come uh, to an agreement. And I, I would argue uh, that to some degree, um, these two sides never uh, bargain uh, or, or have these labor discussions in good faith uh, to throw that term around. I, I, I don't think they do. Uh, and they never have going back to 94. They never have. But Remember, management is the one that locked the players out. And at the time that they locked them out, they said they did it to necessitate uh, the bargaining, the the negotiations. Uh, Their words were they wanted to, quote, jumpstart the negotiations. And what did they do after they locked the players out? Nothing for 43 days. They didn't have a single GD conversation for 43 days upon locking the players out. That's what I mean when I say they were never negotiating in good faith. And believe me, I'm not coddling and putting my arms around the players' union. I am saying that if you're management and you voluntarily lock the players out as a ploy to help facilitate, from your own words, facilitate uh, further negotiations, you can't then sit on your ass for 43 days and not negotiate, which is exactly what happened. So that by the time they got around to having, perhaps for the first time this entire offseason, good faith negotiations and bargaining, it was too late. You gave yourself 48 hours to come up with an agreement. Well, well, yes, they can. They can do whatever they want. Well, right, and they did, and they did. And now look, going back to the first go-around where they disagreed, we always want both sides to somewhere meet in the middle, right? Both sides have to feel like they're being hurt to some degree. For a, It's like when you're buying a car. You know, you want to feel like you got over, the car company wants to make money, uh, so, you know, both sides kind of like, I've seen ah, amounts of money they do. Well, yeah, but yeah. I'm just saying, you, you want to drive off feeling like you got a good deal. They want to feel like they made money off you to the requisite level that they want to make money off of you. And, and the truth is, I mean, eventually the car company is going to win more than you are, but as long as you don't feel like you got absolutely screwed, but you're both getting hurt to some degree. This always happens in negotiations. This is always when, when, you're, when there's a standoff. So to that point, the players dropped the uh, they wanted free agency to begin earlier. They dropped it. They were like, okay, this is never going to work. You guys are never going to concede to this. I mean, you're, you're not going to give in to our demands for earlier free agent eligibility, which is what they were arguing, right? Every player wants a chance at that. And so they dropped it. Management never dropped their initial concern. You never got them to say, okay, we'll concede to this. They never did. They never did. And I, I guess, look, we can get into the weeds about competitive balance tax being a de facto salary de facto salary cap. We could get into any number of these other issues. Um, the truth is, yesterday, when they stood up there and said that they were canceling uh, series, th- this might be the first time that they would be motivated because one of the things that happens is that when you start missing games, not just spring training games, but regular season games, owners have to then give money back on their television deals, rebating money back on their television deals. That hurts them directly. That is a big damn deal. Some of those deals, go look at the Dodgers deal. Go look at the Blue Jays deal. I mean, and there are surprisingly massive deals for groups like the Rays and others, right, where when you now 
you make a promise, you're going to show this many games, you're going to have this many games. Now, it, the, they buy into that, and they don't get to do that. Those contracts are very lucrative, and you've got to give money back for every series that is dropped. Every So maybe, just maybe, they feel a pinch to start doing this. Never mind all the money they make with everything else about baseball, whether it's at the gate, spring, you know, parking, all the Which we learned at the gate is a much bigger deal during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. My fear is that these two sides have never been collaborative. For negotiations to work, you and I can disagree. We can disagree about a show outline. We can disagree about a personal issue. But because I love you and you love me and we're friends, ideally, whatever we disagree about, when we come to the table to discuss it, and it could be volatile, we could seriously disagree. But because we're coming at it from a place of uh, mutual respect and admiration, that we would then be collaborative. We would then say, okay, Tom, here's my point, and you would listen, and then I would listen to yours, and we would try to find something to chop up to come together because it's a collaborative effort. This is not a collaborative effort. It's never been a collaborative effort. So why do we care still then? You know what I mean? Because I love the sport of baseball, and I'd like to watch it. Yeah, well, we we at least got something in our backyard that's a decent product. Yeah, would no, have liked us not to blow a save last night in the yeah, ninth inning. Well, they they're, they're losing late. They got to figure out late inning pitching. They and, do. And I'm not worried about this. The team. starting seems fine. Yeah, across I'm not the worried board. about the, Yeah, um, but the point is, like, okay, so for me, let me just take it from my perspective real quick because I'm younger and I've this is all I know. All I know is the strike. I remember the like that's the first thing in baseball history that I remember. Yeah, '94. Right. I'm eight years, seven, eight years old in '94. So, for me, this has always been there. And here's my attitude towards it. And you know I'm a diehard Met fan. And I'm really happy that, you know, we've got an owner who's going to bully people. Great. We're going to become the Dodgers. This is awesome. I can't wait to see that. But for me, my age, if we start by June 1st, I'm good. Season's really long. I mean, I love opening day. But then I go on a break for a little while. And I, I fear for them, unfortunately, for Major League Baseball, there's a lot of people my age and younger who really don't care. They don't give a damn that this – start when you start. Who cares? Now, that's a problem for them on the long term, and they don't see that, and that's their fault. But, it, like, we're going to— I think they see it. I, 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 they don't know how to help themselves. They really don't. It's amazing to me uh, that they don't know how— They have to understand that in the realm of entertainment, the world has changed dramatically since 1994. You don't get to fall back on what saved them the last time. It's not going to happen. Right. They don't care, clearly. They don't care. Oh, I think they care. They can't agree. And there's a difference. I think they care. I mean, one side's not going to say, well, I care more, so therefore I'll drop every single demand. That's not the way that works. I mean, you care to work, I care to work. If we have an unfair contract, we're not coming to work. So it's not that. Well, I, okay, let me, let me specify then. They don't care about April. They don't care about maybe even May this year. Clearly they don't. Because well, if they did, they wouldn't have taken that 43 days. It's not important to them. I if it think, was, they would have found a way. Yeah, I do think you have a duty. Well, see, one of the things, I get back to this. When you lock the players out, you're doing so, you're trying to create leverage. Nobody creates leverage by doing that until paychecks are missed. No paychecks on either side were being missed during those 43 days. Totally agree. So you can say, I'm locking you out. Well, great, I'm going to play golf. Have a good one. I mean, I'm not losing money at that point. Now everybody's losing money. So your hope here is that this is the impetus for... Oh, man, now we're all losing money, and nobody wants to lose money. This ain't cool. Right, but it has to get to a certain point. Like, if I'm the players, I wouldn't even start negotiating until next month because for, mm. for the owners, it's a pinprick. For the players, it's a gash. You've got to get something bigger than a pinprick out of the owners before they'll actually come to the table in good faith. At this point, I think that's that's 
there's interest self evident. Yeah, there's interest based bargaining and then there's positional based bargaining, right? Like so here's my position I present to you. Now you present your position. They need to be more involved in interest based arguments because this isn't collaborative. If it were, I'd be interested in your position. <laughs> I'm not. What are your interests? What are my interests? Let's negotiate that and stop pretending we're friends at all because we're not. I hate you and you hate me, but you have interests and I have interests. And guess what? If we're going to look at the Venn diagram, they, they, they intersect. Even they, if it's very small. But they intersect. Let's start talking about that. Let's get there. Let's, can we get that? By the way, one other thing, and then I'll leave this alone and we'll, we'll move on. So sometimes you have to bring in a third party, right? And this won't be like a governmental uh, agency that comes in. Um, you know, when, when there's labor impasses, sometimes there are the government gets involved. Th- this will be a private sector thing if that has to happen. And the reason that that works a lot of times is that the, these people who, who, who have these businesses are very wealthy for a reason. It's almost like the Jeff Cameron Show PR firm, Tom, where we do it better than everybody else. I can't force you. Wait, we get paid for that? <laughs> I can't force you uh, to, to agree to terms, and I can't force the other side to agree to terms. But what I can do, and I'm really good at this if I have one of these firms, is show you how it is that it's in your best interest that we get this resolved, because you will eventually have to get this resolved. I mean, we do want to make a living. So we, if we all agree on you want to make a living and continue to be rich, both sides will agree on that, <laughs> okay, then we're going to have to get this resolved. So what I can do is then show you the weaknesses in your argument, because this is a skill that I have, right, as one of these negotiators, and I can show them the weaknesses in their argument, and we can get a little bit closer, and I cajole all parties involved and say, no, well, why don't you give a little bit here, why don't you give a little bit there? That, that may end up having to happen, but if it does, we're going to miss weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then the worst case scenario is that eventually the government does have to get involved, and then you miss the entire season. Right. That ain't happening. Like then, then, No, it'll be before that, but I mean, I just... Since this is a tale as old as time, and it's all I've known since I've been a young lad, it's it's, it's, had- a, it's a married couple that doesn't care to fix it. So I don't give a damn about their negotiations because they don't care to fix it. They'll no. fix it when it when it's in their their ultimate urgent interest to do so. And we're clearly not at that threshold at this point. Yeah, but I think yesterday may be the very start of that threshold. Like I think I think you, now that games are being missed and monies are being lost. I think you. I mean, I'm, I'm in a weird way, despite my bitching, I'm providing hope for those those that do want to see a baseball season. I think yesterday is the beginning of that because now it's very very real. Uh, I, I listen. I have uh, amorous to all sides. Like, there, there's, there's enough unfathomable greed on every corner in this situation. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. When we come back, we'll talk to the Florida State football uh, quarterback coach, Tony Tokars, who joined us earlier in the week, and you'll hear that next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply 
The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Back, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. As always, like and subscribe. Busy times, good times as we get... Uh, Everything going all at once. The end of the basketball season, obviously, we're already underway with baseball and softball, and of course, soon enough, spring football. So opportunity to talk to players, opportunity to talk to coaches, and that's exactly what we're going to do now. So we welcome in Florida State's quarterback coach, Tony Tilkars, on the Jeff Cameron Show. Coach, first of all, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. I know you got to be excited, getting ready to get go. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me go back a little bit here because it hasn't been that long. So in December, your name quarterbacks coach here at FSU, and obviously you'd worked with Mike at Memphis, and then you've been here. You had opportunities to go elsewhere, but you chose to stick it out here and kind of, I guess, one way of saying it is to take a step back, to take a step forward. Yeah. When it happened and you're announced as quarterback coach, you may have known it was coming. You knew you were in good standing with Mike, but the bottom line is you're officially named. What went through your mind? What What were you thinking when that moment happened for you? <laughs> Let's get to work. Um, <laughs> I mean, I came down here with a with a very specific plan in mind, um, knowing the trust and the relationship that I had built with Coach over the, the course of the, the the last few years and everything. And um, and I've said it before to come to a place like Florida State, it's a no brainer. Um, so I could, I, I was excited for the opportunity, um, and not to sound arrogant, but I expected it. I was ready for it. It's what I've been working for. Um, so once it became official and everything, it was, it was hit the ground run, get, getting acclimated with my recruiting areas. Um, obviously I'd been involved in the room just in a different capacity. Obviously can't coach as an analyst, um, but continue to develop the relationships with with the with the guys in in my room and and the rest of our roster as well. So um, it, it 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 was pretty it was pretty cool. I mean, I know a lot of people thought I was absolutely nuts for leaving Memphis and and, and an on the field job. But if if you're around good people that you believe in and and you share the same vision that, that they do, um, things tend to work out when when you just do the right things. And and I was lucky enough to be put in this situation. I want to get to your philosophies and your thoughts on the position, of course, and then look at the depth chart. But I'm curious, what is it about working with Coach Norvell that you appreciate? What is it that obviously allowed for you to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take a chance here and do that. Uh, there's a promising future there. But obviously you have to like working with a guy or you wouldn't have done that. The, the first part about it with Coach is just the relationship aspect. Um, he genuinely cares and he wants people around him to elevate. He wants to, he wants to help people become the best version of themselves. Um, so even going back to my start with coach as a graduate assistant, um, I, I was lucky because I was put in challenging situations, challenging environment environments. Um, and he made me better. Um, and a lot of his, his philosophy was very easy for me to buy into because it's core beliefs that that I was raised by, core beliefs that that coaches that I had instilled in me, um, and then just getting the chance to grow my relationship with Coach Harvell, it's helped reinforce some of those. So I mean, you talk about the relationship aspect of things, um, providing our players with structure, um, holding them to a standard, and then ultimately holding them accountable. Um, those are 
those are core values and beliefs that that I believe in. Um, and it goes back to big picture with coach. I mean, football is a service based injury industry still, you know, so obviously I'm serving the players as a coach. Right. But what else am I doing away from the game of football to develop and grow um, these young men? I mean, I look back at, at my own experience. Some of the greatest influencers in my life have been um, my, my football coaches. Um, and I know a lot of other coaches on our staff would say this, would, would, would say the same thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, going back to it, like I said, it's, it's that relationship that I had with coach and continue to have with him is what is it's special, I guess. Yeah. Is he, is he hard on you guys? I mean that in a good way. It sounds like I know the answer to this question. There is a standard and you will live up to it. And that's the way it's going to work if you're going to work for him. But I just was always curious because uh, a lot of times you'll embrace that, right? If that's how you grew as a person, you'll say, hey, I want to be held to a standard that way. Is he hard on you guys? Yeah. I mean, he, he, he cannot ask anything. He, he would not put us in a situation or ask anything of us that he wouldn't be willing to do himself. I mean, he is a... Um, he's a worker, you know, um, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty and him leading by example and doing that. It's pretty cool to see as, as, as a, as an assistant, like, I mean, I vividly remember as a graduate assistant at Memphis, we had a mega camp where there's thousands of kids that come through and you have the head coach after camp picking up trash. Um, I don't think you see that too often. Usually, especially after those days, people are, are looking to to get in the get in the AC and and get in the car and get back home. Um, but he is truly a service based individual. Um, no matter how big or how small that task is. Um, but yeah, and I mean, kind of going back to your original question. Yes, he's going to challenge us as coaches and everything. Um, but he also he does a great job of of knowing what makes different people tick um and how to get the most from them um and and that's a gift and that's that's a big reason why he's in the the seat that he's in now it's an interesting spring coach uh you consider that going into last spring it was a quarterback competition of sorts and there was no certainty as to who was going to win out uh this spring, it certainly seems like it's Jordan Travis's job, and the other guys will push him, uh, you hope, obviously. Going back to you mentioned it a moment ago, you were a quarterback, your playing days, you remember what made you better, uh, and you were a dual-threat quarterback, uh, if, I, if I can. Uh, I'll say that for you. Um, <laughs> I saw the numbers. that you, you ran the ball some. What is the proper – if we're talking about Jordan Travis here, what is it is the proper utilization of that athleticism – but then also patience in the pocket and going yeah. through your progressions. It still goes back to just continuing to grow him um, fundamentally as a, as a passer. I mean, everybody knows how dynamic he is as an athlete and everything, but um, conti continuing to, to build confidence in the concepts that we're doing, um, how we're asking him to do it. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it, he's he's going to get to a point in his development where it's now he's using his legs as a weapon and not a crutch. And I'm not saying that in a negative way, um, more so in the sense that that's just reality. Like you look at any dual threat quarterback, quote unquote, and in the history of football, when things tend to break down, it's easier and it's a natural instinct for those guys um, just to, to, to get out the pocket and, and use their legs or, or whatever the case is. But for him, just processing um, both pre-snap and post-snap and 
being able to let the game slow down for him. And it has, um, but it's taking that next step for him and building that consistency within that. Um, I mean, there's going to continue to be a huge focus um, just on his on his footwork and, and fundamentals from really the ground up because um, he is an extremely intelligent football player. Um, so getting just kind of putting that full package together um, will, will, will be fun and, and starting that, that process this spring. I mean, um, he's made a lot of strides already. And now it's like, okay, let's take that next step now, J. Trout. Let's, let's take that next step for you. Yeah, you addressed some of it just now. I was going to ask you a very specific question about what you were working on this spring. And was it mechanical? Is it footwork? Is it processing? What do you like to focus on as you enter spring here with him? Well, if uh, if you focus on a lot, you're not focusing on anything, really. So um, it's just two base things for me. I mean, focus on the consistency of his footwork and his drops. And then just focus on the full operation of playing quarterback just as far as my process. So pre-snap, obviously, you have your alignment assignment for work. Like that stuff just gets kind of ingrained in your mind, right? Um, but having a plan, like seeing the pitcher from the defense, understanding what we're trying to accomplish within the play that we called, and then go out and execute and 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 put us in the best position to be successful. I mean – is it first and 10? Do we need do we need a touchdown right now? Or do we just want to stay on schedule and move the chains? Um, big picture, just operational quarterback play, I'd say. You understand the pressures of the position. Jordan is a high-profile guy. Amongst Florida State faithful, obviously, a lot of their hopes and dreams are seemingly contingent upon that growth of which you speak and him continuing to improve as he has as a player. How do you balance that with uh, what you talk to him about in his growth, knowing those expectations are out there, knowing there's real pressure at the position? Like I said, you've played it. You know all eyes are always on the quarterback. But I think with Jordan Travis, given the potential, given what people have seen him capable of, Going into this season, a critical year, I think a lot of people are, are just looking at him as, as a savior, and that's unfair to him. But at the same time, those are kind of the expectations that come with being an elite quarterback. That you're, you're right. I mean, we talk about it not even just with our quarterbacks here. We talk about it with our whole team. I mean, how you handle, whether it's success or failures, your response to that um, is is ultimately how you're, how you're defined because it's really easy when – when it's fourth and 14, right? And you rip a ball in there and, and and everybody's telling you how good you are, right? But you could miss a five-yard hitch and get booed, you know? But that is, like you said, that comes with the territory. Um, and I guess handling that, one, you kind of just got to get in the fire with it. You know what I mean? You have, you have to experience it. Because um, I don't care who you are, if you're a 20-year NFL starter or you're just starting to play high school football like at some point we're, we're all human right so at some point some of that is going to sting right but then it's like okay this happened it's time to move through it um and then trust the preparation because when it comes down to it um that's how that's how you build true confidence it's not it's not somebody telling you you did something good and, and feeling good in that moment, right? It's the, it's the work and the preparation that go into the moment. And then you know what? If things don't go go your way on it, okay, back to the drawing board. What can I do to get better? How can I improve now? So it's that mindset of, of, of improvement and everything right there, that improvement and, and focus on the process of the work. 
right? Because because that's how you build that confidence. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So we look at the rest of the quarterback room really quickly. Obviously, Tate is entering his third spring in Tallahassee, and there are real physical tools there, Coach, when I watch him play, uh, but there are perhaps some mental hurdles for him to get through. Um, that's, I mean, I'm probably not qualified to say that, but I, you can see the physical tools are there. Yeah. Just at times, he hasn't always pulled the trigger when given the opportunity, if you will. Um, to get him past that and to see him grow, and in, in, in your assessment, I guess, of Tate Rodemaker and, and what, his, what he'll look like this spring, what you're hoping for him, and, and obviously you want competition. You want him to try to push the guys ahead of him. Right. Um, with Tate, it's it's continuing to build confidence through the work again and, and the preparation. I mean, just getting him more live reps with with what, whatever the, the group that he's running with. You know what I mean? Whether that's ones, twos, or threes. Tate has absolutely crushed this offseason. Um, he's done a great job um, just with his body, with, with his mind. Um, football wise and just like the, that kid is that kid is is tough um and there's different ways to show toughness and everything like that but you see it obviously our we have our mat drills that that go on in the off season and he's one of those guys that's 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 finishing that's getting up and encouraging and trying to make people around him better which is obviously a huge element of playing quarterback it's it's making your teammates better so i'm excited to see Tate finally get on the grass this this spring and, and and see where it goes, but it'll be fun. What's uh, reasonable to expect from a newcomer like AJ Duffy? Obviously, a coach's kid. We know he's talented. Uh, yeah. He's been a high profile recruit, and they, everybody was excited to get him on campus early. What's reasonable uh, for us to expect as fans, and and and, and what do you expect from him uh, in this first spring? Well, being a young pup at the position and everything, there's there can be some some interesting moments and everything just in your growth, especially the the mental part of it. Um, but like you said, he's a coach's kid, and he's I mean he's a film room junkie. He loves he loves taking it in. Um, I mean he, I'm getting texts and calls and everything all the time if I'm not there about hey what do I do on this or if this happens like what's the answer you know what I mean so he's 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 pretty mature in his thought process and, and his approach. Um, for him, it's like, again, he's got to get on the grass, you know, because um, the speed of the game will be different. It's going to be fun to see AJ get out there too, just because he's, he's a little bit different, you know. He's got something to him, so it'll be exciting. I always like this, Coach, and we'll wrap it up here, but uh, I wonder if you do this. I've had coaches say to me before, offensive coaches say to me before that – as it pertains to quarterbacks and they're learning an offense and they're learning, you know, the speed of the game, all that it entails, they always like to judge where they're at in their growth, not just with the physical, but by the kinds of questions they ask. And you mentioned AJ's asking you questions. Are the guys asking the right kind of questions right now? Do you feel good about it as we go into spring that the, the right questions are being asked? Yes, absolutely. And, and I mean, at the end of the day too, if, if they're not asking the right questions, um, then that's on me too, because it's my it's it's my job to get their the, the wheels turning, you know, um, and and I want that quarterback play is is it's fun because it's not always black and white. There's some areas of gray that are mixed in um, to play in the position. Tate might see something totally different than how AJ sees something, who might see it totally different than how Jordan sees it, right? And it doesn't mean that any of them are necessarily wrong. Um, but it's it's how can we take those different thought processes and get that get their mind operating um, 
So it matches my thought process. So it matches Coach Norvell's thought process. So it matches Coach Atkins' thought process. Because um, when you play quarterback, you get the keys to the car, right? Like, and, yeah. and you're the, you're the one that's driving it. So um, if you t- if you took that right when you were supposed to take a left, maybe you better be able to explain it too. Um, and and that that's that's the fun within coaching it a little bit too, and, and the challenge. But it'll be fun. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Coach. I'll see you out there on the field soon. And uh, thanks for joining us today on the Jeff Cameron Show and on WarChant TV. Be well, good sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Take care. Go Noles. Yeah, go Noles. That's quarterback coach Tony Tokars, uh, Florida State University, of course. And, uh, yeah, you got that go Noles in there late. Well well done. Uh, all right, we'll come back and react to that in a moment. Uh, if, if you're listening on the Jeff Cameron Show, if you're watching on WarChant TV, don't forget to like and subscribe so you get more videos like this. Uh, We'll have more and more as we lead up to spring. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at FSUHomeLoans.com. Wicked short segment here as we, uh, of course, went long there with the opener as well as uh, the interview with Tony Tokars, quarterback coach, Florida State. So short segment here so that we can uh, make way and uh, make some money uh, for the station, for War Chant. There you go. Help the advertisers. Your heart's in the right place. Well, we got to do it. We got to do it. Uh, So then... By the way, uh, I like Tony. It was nice to uh, talk with him, and I, I, I'm interested to watch his development as uh, he obviously goes to work with these quarterbacks. You know, I, I think um, the mindset, it's what are you trying to accomplish here? You know, your decision-making, rep-to-rep, series-to-series, hyper-focusing on the now. That's the best way for... Jordan to handle the pressure uh, that is going to be on him coming into this year because uh, there's no doubt this team is going is going you know basically going to go as far as as that kid develops that dynamic of these these two offensive coaches that are in quasi different positions because Alex Atkins is always going to be over by the sleds and working with the offensive line mm-hmm. kicking ass but then Tony Tokars is taking the place ostensibly of Kenny Dillingham and, and where practices run and where the coaches are, are laid out there but how it all sounds and looks. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Is Alex Atkins more involved when they go good on good? Or is he waiting, you know, coaching up his particular segment group and then he gathers together with the O-line and it's more about pre-practice organization than it is on the practice field type shouting. And with Tony, is he good cop, bad cop? Which cop is he? All that kind of stuff. I look forward to seeing that probably more than any other coaching development this offseason. Well, it was weird is, uh, and I don't know if it'll make any difference and obviously I'm not judging uh Tony on the X's and O's just yet, or the development of quarterbacks just yet, because this is his first year doing it. But we really did like watching Dillingham at practice, did we not? Just for pure enterta- entertainment purposes, that was a colorful day at the office. Yeah, I don't think Tony's got it in him to be that colorful. Doesn't but not, need to be, but not yeah. many do. Kenny was strange <laughs> like that, and we liked him for it. Yeah, hour number two forthcoming. Stay with us. Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. 